Welcome to Ram Book Pod, inclusively yours. I'm your host, Sarah Jean, and today we're discussing queer women in history for Women's History Month. And my guest today is Magretta Martin. Welcome, Magretta. Hi, thanks for having me. So, I'm going to start off with the hard questions. Or the hardest question, I suppose. Oh no, okay. What is your favorite historical romance featuring a queer woman? Oh, um... I am not going to say any of Kat's books because I want to be upfront about this and I am her critique partner. <laughs> That's so I, fair. I am very, very biased on that front. Um, so I'm going to say, like, right now, Mrs. Martin's... Oh, God, I can't remember which what the I is. Um, incomparable? Incomparable not... Adventure. Uh, Mrs. Martin's just... Incomparable Adventure by it's... Courtney Milan. I love that book. It was... It, it's something where I, I know why it's a novella. There isn't a ton of story to keep it going, but I also just wanted it to keep going. It's two older women, so it, it's it's just a beautiful book, and it's really it's really gentle and heartfelt. I love that book. I haven't read it yet. I actually own the paperback version Ooh, okay. um, because Courtney had them at RWA for the signing. Okay. And she had, like, five left when I got in there because I was, like, an hour late to the, like, because there was a giant line. I was like, I'm not I'm not getting in that line. I'm going to wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, so by the time I got in there, she had, like, five or six left. And I was like, oh, no, I, I need this. And there was, like, a line of, like, five people. Yeah. <laughs> just for Courtney, just for that book. And I was like, yes. Everyone wants the old lady lesbians. <laughs> yeah. And they're amazing. I you, you, sh- you definitely need to read it. I, it's a book where I'm really hoping that she'll get an audiobook so that I can listen to it and read it more often because I can't reread with uh, my eyes typically. Yeah. I just don't enjoy it the same way. I keep hoping for an audiobook to come out. Um, I mean, I also own the ebook, so I will eventually get there, but it was something that I really wanted to own in paperback because it, it's such an important book to exist yeah it was actually it was interesting when I was reading it because I hadn't actually planned on reviewing it just because I didn't want the pressure of it because I I am fairly well known for reading a lot of queer historical romance and I didn't I I'm been I was trying to break free of that pressure of being that voice but I read it and I was like we need to I told Suzanne we need to get it up there I'm going to write this review because it was honestly, I had been in a real slump for reading, and I read it, and I was like, "We're gonna put uh, here. You go. You have to. You have to put this up." But how about you? What's your favorite? I suppose if we're historical romance with women. I suppose if we're trying not to be biased, then oh, I no, guess you're allowed can't. to be biased. Okay, I I'm just not... need to be upfront about my extreme bias. Okay. Well, I'm also extremely biased towards Kat because I talk with her nearly on a daily basis. <laughs> Um, but um so a week and a half ago i would have said it was a duke in disguise now you read delicate deception and then i read delicate deception and i can't choose between verity and amelia (laughs) yeah And, and i mean they're both they're they're very different books and very different women and i think yeah no i think they're they're both great they're both great. Kat just 
keeps getting queer every book. Like, there's just everyone in Delicate Deception is queer. Everyone. <laughs> I like, remember oh. the day when she was like, you know what? I made everybody queer. And I was like, that's going to be great. And I, I don't know why. I, I think she just needed to tell somebody. Because I was like, did you want me to say no? But yeah, no, I, I love that book. It, I'm it, also I, responsible for the desk sex scene in that book. Um, <laughs> I, so I, uh, that was a very difficult book for her to write. I know that both of those books were very difficult books for her to write. So they are, I am, I am particularly partial to them because I know how much they were for her. With with Verity in particular in A Duke in Disguise, or actually, no, well, both Verity and Amelia and how they express their queerness and their bisexuality as just being natural and not something that they've ever worried about at all. And it just, it just felt so deep to me and yeah. very impactful, like, especially with Verity, because the term that Kat uses is sapphic, because that's the only term that was really there. So... I, I get when everyone's like, oh, well, here's all these sapphic books and they're all FF. I'm like, no, no, sapphic also means bisexual in this context. Yeah. So here are the bi ladies with other guys. So, yeah. And there's not a lot of queer historical romance featuring MF couples. Well, no. Yes, Kat. because <laughs> for for reasons that mainly come down to bigotry a lot of romance readers don't want to know that the the people they're reading had same-sex partners at some point or interests in people who were of the same sex but yeah which is very unfortunate because i want to hear i want to read queer couples in mixed relationships that's what i want to see it's why um kj charles gilded cage had me really excited mm-hmm because Suki is on the page bisexual and the relationship isn't with the woman isn't mentioned too much, but it's still there. It's still important. And granted, I spent Gilded Cage mostly crying about the characters from the Society of Gentlemen. <laughs> but So what other, what other uh, queer historical romances with women do you like? That aren't my super favorites, but I still love anyway. Yes. Um, so, I, I am a person who I, I, I've been very upfront about the fact that I am I'm not super new to romance anymore. I, I think I started reading it in 2014. Yes. Um, so but I'm not somebody who's been reading since she was 12. I'm somebody who's been reading since she was 35, I guess. Yeah, that's what that's how old I would have been about that time. Um, but so almost from the the start of that, I once I realized that it worked for me, I was looking for female female romance just because it was within my interests. And I, I and I actually I had read I had read a Rebecca Weatherspoon book long before I'd actually met Kat, and she was the one who got me to read uh, male male romance for the very first time, but. So I had been poking around, struggling to find anything that worked for me in lesbic because I do have a strange parameter that I don't really enjoy fantasy in my historical romance. 
I can tolerate it sometimes, but I don't really enjoy it. So, but so I, I, I mean, I'd been poking around for a while trying to find something that worked. And I think the first FF that really, FF Histrom that worked for me might actually have been Lily Maxton's A Lady's Desire. Right? Yes, that the that, that's an absolutely amazing book. Um, that was the first one that really worked for me. And and the only reason I, I read it, because I, I got an arc for it like two days before it was going to release, was because I'd been giving her these great reviews for her female male romances. And she was like, hey, would you like this? I'm going to self-publish. And I was like, yes. Can't guarantee I'll get it out. I'll review it in time. And then I, it was the only thing I wanted to read. And it was it was great. It was everything I wanted. So wait, is and I'm, and I'm so Ladies glad. Desire self-published and the other one's not self-published? Correct. Her The rest of the series, the books that came before, they were all published with Entangled. Oh. I'm not, I'm, I don't know if Entangled passed on A Lady's Desire or if she just wasn't under contract for it. And so she decided to publish it on her own. But uh, yeah, no, I love that book. I did not know that. So I am also very picky about my historical romances featuring the queer ladies. Yeah. Um, and I think most of us in our corner of Romancelandia are. Yeah. And it's just, I grew up reading uh, lots of historical romance manga. So when I got into romance and into MM romance, I... Like, once I found K.J. Charles, there was no going back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I prefer, I tend to prefer the ones that also have fantasy elements, but I haven't read Heather's books yet. So keep... we sit on opposite sides of the divide. <laughs> yes, like, we're still in the same corner, but, yeah, like, on the opposite, yeah. yeah. I haven't read Heather's books yet, mostly okay. because I've been told they're more fantasy than romance. They are. And... Books that tend to have more fantasy are harder for me to read unless they're on audio. I am the same way. I I do not embark on fantasy novels unless they are on audiobook. Simply, and I don't know why. So within FF historical romance, there's I noticed a very big gap between what we consider FF historical romance and what Lesfic considers historical romance. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. It's- I, I think that comes back to a lot of the tradition of what lesfic is and and their particular style of telling a story and which isn't necessarily it doesn't follow the same beats that you would expect in romance and I'm always I'm fascinated by it and I part of me wants to do a deep dive into why like how did this develop. But at the same time, I don't enjoy a lot of the way those stories are told. So I'll never be able to pull it off. I'll never be able to go in and figure out why did you decide to, like, not have romance in here? Or they get labeled romance. And you're sitting there being like, "Where, where's the romance? There's, there's not romance in here. It's a a coming of age story, which is fine. Yeah, I I mean, you have the coming-of-age stories, but then you also have... I haven't tried that many in the last year or two, maybe? No, it's been a year. I haven't tried that many in the last year from, like, Bold Strokes and and Bella. But 
or and Yelva, but a thing that I have noticed with Lesfic is that if you go to Goodreads, <laughs> and like there are a few people who will be very blunt, like Heather Rose Jones will be like, nope, this is not a good book. But then there are other people, and, and it's most of the lesfic community or the lesfic reading community, where like three stars is essentially one star. And you need to look at the reviews in that capacity. And then the five stars, you just don't believe them. You have to acknowledge that they are not real. So the only ones that are, are valid are the three and four stars, which indicate one star, or in the case of the four stars, maybe an actual three star like it's it's an okay book that's good to keep in mind and 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 that's it's the only way that I can evaluate these because I'm because if you'll read them and it'll be like three stars I hated this book I'm like no if you hated it it's one star but I think there is um a big push within the community not to say negative things about other or works by other queer women so they just tend not to acknowledge it. And it makes it all very complicated and messy for somebody who's not within the lesbian silo to understand what they're, or to find anything of note to read within the community. Exactly. Because I came, I, I come from MM Romance. <clears throat> I can sift through the drudge and the, the, the bad and the good and that, that I know how to do. I've been doing that for a very long time. Yeah. Where when I come knocking on lesbian, on their door, and I'm like, okay, well, I read these people over an MM romance. Please give me Rex for an equivalent over here. And the equivalents don't line up ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the case. Which makes me really excited for how the other corner of Romance Landia with FF Romance, because there is a very big difference between FF Romance and Lesfic. Um, yes. One, you're guaranteed a romance, the other, you're guaranteed lesbian characters, and that's yeah. that. <laughs> Which is why I'm really excited for what Olivia and Kat and um, Alyssa Cole are doing over at Avon, because now Avon is up to four FF romances. Yes. And I really enjoyed um, A Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics. Yes. Olivia did something really amazing with that book. It's such a beautiful book. I, I, I am going to say I do have quibbles with it, just because... It's an alternate universe because it ignores the the women in science who did exist. But aside from that, I really loved it. Yeah, I've I've seen people comment about the science aspects of the book. And I'm going to say this. I am a scientist. It is hard for and I know the history of science. And so it's really hard for me to be like, oh, but where's Caroline Herschel? Where's Mary Somerville? When I know that these women existed, I, I know that there weren't terribly many women that existed doing the work. But yeah, that's yeah. that's literally my quibble. But I am super excited about uh, Waspish, Waspish Widows. <laughs> waspish? I'm not going to... Waspish? Waspish? We're never going to be able to pronounce it. But I'm Widows. very excited about that book coming up. Yeah. Because it's the beekeeper and... I can't remember what the other woman is. Um, I know there's a beekeeper. I know there's a beekeeper because she's been talking. She was talking to me about that. But I just really liked in Celestial Mechanics how there were other queer women and how there were queer men as well. Yeah. And how that I like the what I like the most out of FF romances is that the two women 
have a community, that they aren't alone living in some city or some random countryside, that they have a community, that they know other people, that they have a support network. And you don't always get that in lesbic. Sometimes they are very isolated and just... I. We had communities, so that's, that's what I like to see yeah. most. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll say, I, the thing that I think is really lovely about that is that you have, oh, God, I don't remember character names, but you have the astronomer who is aware of a queer community Lucy. existing. Lucy. Lucy. And then you have the, the, the countess who is unaware of that, and being brought into and being brought into it and being made aware of the fact that she's not alone in this. They won't be alone. There is support. And yeah. It was lovely. The, the other thing um, we don't see too much of is trans women in historical romance. I mean, we don't see many trans women in romance in general, which is a problem. But, yes. Yes. Um, the only trans woman that I could think of that I had on our list was um, the woman. Oh God, I can't remember her name now. Um, the Rat Catcher's Daughter by K.J. Charles, which I which, haven't read. Which is a prequel story to Any Old Diamonds, but you read it before you read uh, Gilded Cage. <laughs> so you you would read um, Any Old Diamonds, then Rat Catcher's Daughter, and then. Gilded Cage. Okay. Timeline-wise, Gracchetta's daughter comes before them, but anyways, it works. Okay. Um, it's it's an, it's an MF with a trans woman who's a vaudeville singer, and then um, a man who's asexual, and he is a fence for stolen goods. He like moves stolen goods from people. Okay. Um, it's very short, and I know. May Peterson was the sensitivity reader for that. Okay. Um, so I, I, I it, and it's good. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I generally enjoy KJ's writing. Yeah, she's great. I think the, oh, Craft of Love by E. e. Ottoman. That, um, the, the, it's another MF one, but it's a trans man with a bi heroine. Yes. I really enjoyed that book. It's so low angst that it, fit my mood perfectly when I read it. Um, e. Ottoman, they do, their writing is so wonderful. Yes. And I wish they wrote more, but I, I think I think they are working on a couple other stories right now, but we don't get to see a lot set in the United States very often, which is why their stories make me really happy. Oh, yeah. I, 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 and, I mean, <laughs> When when it comes to American set historicals, they tend to be problematic at best. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. there there are some folks who are doing amazing work in general, but if you look at that particular sub sub genre, uh, that's when you end up getting something that's super racist, super homophobic, probably super transphobic as well. I mean, Craft of Love, there is transphobia lightly discussed in there but yeah what ee is doing um is great yeah um and you also read that could be enough by Alyssa cole i did and i and that was 
so that was part of the Hamilton's Battalion. I am going to confess that I haven't read the other two in the anthology, so don't. So I have I have that. read Roses. I need to go back and finish it. I read Courtney's. It all I, comes down to the eyeballs for me. If if it's on e if it's on audiobook, I am gonna read it so fast. But <laughs> otherwise, it it just it takes a lot because I I barely have time to read. If it's, it's not if it's not on audio. Anyway, back to Alyssa's book. It's super lovely. It's the one that is set. I mean, obviously not contemporary, but it it is the one that is set in. Uh, a Victorian American era as opposed to the Revolutionary War because it's a it's two women, one of whom is involved in the collection of the stories that Eliza Hamilton is collecting on her husband. But yeah, it's 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 lovely, it's gentle, it's everything you expect from Alyssa and I want more. I know I know why she probably isn't writing more. But I still want more, Alyssa, if you're listening. Yeah, I, I really love Alyssa's writing and I really like it when she writes because she's written a number of queer books. I think she has like five, maybe. There's the three Royals books. There's this one. And then there's an MM in her post-apoc book. Okay. So as far yeah. as I'm aware, yeah. she's written five of queer characters. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just love Alyssa's writing and we need more and I, and I know why it's hard to write it can be hard to write queer circles with POC characters because history sucks yeah I mean it's just, it's the same reason it's hard to write his, historical historical romances in general with people of color as their main char- as the main characters and I understand it and I but I I still feel the lack. Yeah. I, I would still like to see more, but I understand all the things that a, a an author of color has to go through to write that. And so I'm not I'm gonna bemoan the lack of the books, but I'm not going to blame them for not writing it because I get it. Exactly. It's the same or not not exactly the same, but um different reasons as to why there can be harder to write. Yeah. Queer women or trans people in history and stuff like that. And there's a lot of things that have to be unpacked in order to write these stories so that we get our happy endings. Yes. And, and, and this is not to ignore the fact that clearly we still have those factions of people who don't believe that there was a possibility for a happily ever after in the past for people of marginalized communities. Yes, I would I mean, like to kick those people in the shins quite often and then throw them yeah, in the volcano. I mean, as we are recording this, we are seeing the fall of RWA almost over this issue. Yes. I mean, there are a lot of issues going on there were, RWA, but this is one of them. Yeah, it is. Um, and it's been, I mean, the fallout's been going on for two weeks now, but it's been I going know. on well before this. Yeah. yeah. Because... Again, I reiterate this every episode. Queer people, people of color, dis- disabled people have always been here in history. We've always had thriving communities at various points. And 
to not acknowledge those does a disservice to history. Yeah. No, I, and I mean, not only a disservice to history, but a disservice to those of us who are living now, who need who need these stories, who need to know about this past, because, and I'm going to, oh God, I'm derailing it now. No, but no, we look at derailing. the reaction to the show, The Watchmen, and how, I mean, I'm part of this, where I was like, this happened in Tulsa in it in the 1920s 19 or the teens i can't remember when it happened i think it was like this, 1908 i, I want to say it was 1908 it was post world war 1 is what i do remember but i mean i was so I, I was so horrified by what was happening that i i'm not sure i processed the date that it happened and i haven't looked it up which is on me 1921 but it's one of those I'm sitting cozy in California and did not know that this history existed. And I was talking to a, a friend of mine at work and he grew up in Arkansas and he's like, I had no idea that that would happen. And, and this is the way that history is being reported and important things are being ignored and forgotten because it's inconvenient for white people yeah especially um but i mean and if we focus more specifically um cishet white people and white men if we go even further but yeah yeah no uh, and and, I, and that's why i think these these stories especially within historical romance are important is because it provides us not only the truth of what existed and happened but it provides us with the knowledge that it wasn't all misery. I mean, there was obviously misery. We all know that. But it yeah. gives us that element of hope that it's more than all the horror and destruction that we see. In another historical, it's also a historical romance show, but in another show, Gentleman Jack, which aired on HBO uh, last yes. year, that centers around the life of Anne Lister, who was this very... I mean, she was not, a, she was honestly, also Miss History has an episode on her. She was not a very nice person. <laughs> no, she was not. Um, but it centers around her life and how very butch she was and how very much I love women and how unapologetic she was of that, but also of the prejudice that she faced in her community, which is very interesting. And I liked what the show did in that while there were, intimate scenes between them there was no like oh god we must get them naked we must have all these big ex expansive sex scenes there was none of that in general yeah. yeah the most violent thing that there was there was the shooting of a horse and then feeding a guy to pigs that was i'm not so i think i only saw the first two episodes and i'm not sure i saw that part yet oh sorry it's okay <laughs> i i mean it's not it's not i'm not if anything it'll be like oh that's happening I, I was there when, like, somebody, maybe a kid got injured or something. Yes. And that yes. was, uh, I was like, oh, I, I, that's a bit violent for me. But um, I, I keep meaning to finish it, but I always forget about it. And I, I'm, I am not a person who's very good at watching TV. The only reason I've watched a bunch of TV lately is because I've been crocheting so much. And it's hard for me to read and crochet at the same time. That's fair. No, that's fair. What are 
some of the things you hope to see more from FF Romance? And are there some real-life queer lady figures that you would like to see romance inspired from? Some queer, real-life women whose lives you would like to see a romance inspired from? Well, I'm going to take... <laughs> I'm going to take the last question first about real queer women in the past. It's difficult because we, I, I don't feel like we have a tremendous amount of people to pull from in that regard, but, and then some of them are sort of horrible and I'm not going to remember who's horrible. Um, That's also fair. <laughs> but the ladies of Langothlin, I don't know why uh, we haven't had a movie on them at the very least some masterpiece theater thing. I feel like the BBC should have done it already because you have these two women during the Regency era. They were Irish, um, but they were aristocracy, gentry-ish. And there was a significant age difference. There was, I think it was 18 years, or no, 16 years um, between them. But they ran off together. Yeah, they had to cross the channel. Yeah, they had to... had to cross the channel but then their families came after them dragged them apart but they were like "Uh uh-uh and they went back and ran off to wales again and stayed and i mean they they were a major i mean they were sort of a curiosity for a fair number of prominent regency figures so i'm 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 fascinated by the fact that we don't have something on them all they only get mentioned as like a footnote and I think it's honestly because everybody's like well do we really know that they were queer women and I'm saying like, they yes, run away to Wales together do. like come they on. ran away together their families <laughs> tore them apart we know they were but yeah and then there's I, I'm not going to remember their names but there are the two women who in Spain were the first, are considered the first same-sex marriage. Granted, one posed as a man during the marriage, and I think that there is there are a fair number of questions about uh, gender identity in that, because was she, was she a woman? Was she a trans man? I don't their, have those their answers. Their are Marcela, Gracia, Ibeas, and... I probably just butchered that. Eliza Sanchez Loriga. There you go. I think I think uh, a, something on them would be amazing. Um, There's a movie about them. Is there? That came out um, recently. A 2019 movie. It's actually on Netflix, I think it is. It's called Elisa and Marcella. Oh, um, well, there I you think, go. I, I think I started watch. watching it, and then I just couldn't read subtitles that day. No, I I, I understand the subtitles <laughs> issue. Like, that's a day when I'm not trying to crochet something intricate. But, uh, yeah, so that's a movie that we all need to watch, apparently. There's but also it, another movie that came out last year, but is getting a wide release in the States this year. It's called The Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah. Which supposedly is not sad lesbians. I mean, that, that'll be excellent if it's not sad lesbians. There, there was also, um, I, I never got to see it because I don't know that we ever got a subtitle version of it. Uh, was it a movie or was it a miniseries? 
I can't remember, but it was about took place during the building of the Eiffel Tower, and it was between a white woman and a black woman in Paris. And I really wanted to see it, but my French is not good enough to go without subtitles, just because they talk so much faster than I can think in that regard. Interesting. Um, I don't know what that one is, um, but so there's also I'll find like, it for you later. There's a section in Netflix. Under the gay and lesbian section for like le- uh, queer period dramas, and there's one, there's a bunch from Spain for some reason. I guess Spain likes their lesbian period dramas, and there's one about like World War One coders or something. Oh, can I find you? I will find that later as well and post that in the show notes. Uh, so my favorite, or not really favorite, but women I'd really like to see something on our charity Bryant, Sylvia Drake. So they were two um, businesswomen who were from Massachusetts who lived in um, Weybridge, Vermont, and they are were considered like the first same-sex marriage in America in the 1700s. Okay. Because they lived together. Everyone in the town considered them married, and it's fascinating on how, when you read the history of them, how much the town's like, oh, yeah, no, they were together. They were together. They were romantic. They were married in every sense of the word. And they're some of the earliest history we have of queer women being together, part of the community, and being considered as a couple. And we have, like, their diaries and their letters. We have their business papers. There's a book on them, which is called Charity and Sylvia, Same-Sex Marriage in Early New England, by Rachel Hope Cleaves, which I just got from the library and is really fascinating so far. And they're actually buried together as well. Though they didn't die at the same time, but um, they're buried in a cemetery in Weybridge, Vermont together. So it's kind of like, I'm going to go on a road trip to see some queer lady graves. I'm, this isn't the two women that uh, Patience and Sarah and Patience, Patience and Sarah, is based on? Is it? I I I'm not entirely sure. I, they I mean, might... to be fair, at that particular point in time, there we do have a fair number of those romantic friendships happening that probably resemble the same sort of story. Uh, I mean, th- there uh, no, like a couple of years ago. Sarah is based on Mary Ann Wilson, who lived with her companion Mrs. Brundage. As a okay. farmette in okay. Greene County, New York. That's where they ended up. Yeah, but they—I think they had—they had come from somewhere in New England. Uh, They're from Connecticut. Connecticut. Okay. It's been a while since I read that one. Apparently, Sarah Waters tripping velvet has theme or was inspired by Patience and Sarah. According I mean, to this I, Wikipedia. I, I can understand that in terms of like writing a happy ending for two queer women. Except is there a happy, I, is there a happy tipping ending? The, tipping in the Velvet doesn't really have a happy ending though. Oh, so. okay. I mean, well, I think I, I think it's it's not it's not a brutal ending. Let me put it that way. That's fair. So I have a couple other people I want to mention those that, okay. that are inspiring to me. Um, so. In Wandering Wikipedia, there's each there's a there's a category list for each state of LGBT 
famous people from that state. Um, And when I was wandering, I think it was New York, I found um, Elizabeth Irwin, who founded the Little Red Schoolhouse. And she was in a relationship with Catherine Anthony. And they both lived together and adopted children together. And uh, at the very end of the article, it says, they called themselves the Gay Ladies of Gaylordsville because they had a summer house in Gaylordsville, Connecticut. <laughs> um, but they were women who, like, helped to build schools in Connecticut and, like, pr- promoted public education in New York City. Yeah, and it was yeah. r- just really fascinating. And then because we all like our 1920s historicals, uh, Natalie Clifford Barney who was, a, I think she was bisexual. She had queer salons out of her house in Paris. And she had so many lovers, like she, one of her lovers, like she was like a, like had a giant polyamorous triad going on. Like okay. there were so many like different branches coming off or polycule, just a giant polycule. Like she, one of her lovers was um, Oscar Wilde's niece. Oh yeah. Um, Is she the race car driver? No, that is... But that was, she was also part of that circle. Yes, the race car driver was also part of that circle. There is a queer race car driver lady, and now it was there is. her name. And she, and she was pretty butch. She was very butch. And so, really, what I want from, like, FF romance is more 1920s, more women just enjoying each other's company and, like, having these giant whole queer communities. Yeah, and and I, you mentioning the the American folks reminded me of um, Jane Adams, who did a fair amount of social justice work. She was uh, a lesbian and was noted to have two different relationships. But whenever you read a biography of her, apparently uh, her relationships with these women are just friendships they were close friends who lived together just always really good gal pals yeah just the best of gal pals it's like but how then, Eleanor roosevelt um i went to the national i went to hyde park to uh-huh. uh eleanor's cottage oh god now i can't remember the name specifically for that cottage and i asked one of the park rangers about eleanor's relationship with eleanor hickok or lorena hickok yeah and she didn't want to talk about it <laughs> at all which I thought was not very open and affirming because it's very obvious for many, many if stories. If you read now. any of their letters, it is very obvious. It is very obvious. So I thought that was a disservice of the park ranger who I had at the moment to not want to talk about that because we need to not erase these histories. Yes. So is there anything um, before we close out on your TBR for the incoming, or this year, because we're now in 2020. Sarah, nothing is on my TBR right now because I'm <laughs> unable to read books right now. Okay. I don't enjoy anything right now. It is a very sad state. One day I will get back to reading, but I mean, all books are on my TBR, if, if we're going to be honest. But yeah, I just, I don't know. No, there isn't one on there, mainly because... Um, especially when it comes to female, female romance, I find it very difficult to find out anything before it's released there. Okay. Olivia's book, Olivia's book, Olivia waits, the one that we cannot pronounce waspish widows. 
that one is definitely on my TBR. Okay. And I know uh, of its existence. There you go. <laughs> we know of its existence and we can trust its existence. Yes. I'm not I'm not afraid of what's going to be within it. I have that on my TBR. And whenever Rose Lerner publishes oh, her God. Jane Eyre retelling. Oh, I want that book so bad. That cover, um, when I saw it, I was like, yep, this is the book for me. But it's not the only FF Jane Eyre that's coming out this year. Is it? I, I did see that. There's the one from L.L. Uh, McKinley that's coming out. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of FF historicals coming out in YA. Because apparently that's where everything is is now is over in YA, <laughs> including one set in the '70s from Robin Tally, which you don't get to see a lot of the 1970s, I guess. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not sure that I'm into reading the '70s anyway. That's that's fair. But yeah, I'm gonna put this out there in general. I will read any Jane Eyre retelling. I would love the FF retellings. Um, especially where it's Bertha and we don't get uh, a gender swap Rochester because, ugh. But I Have will there read been every gender Jane swap Rochesters? What's that? Have there been gender swap oh, Rochesters? Oh, no, 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 no. I just want to be very clear that it's, I don't want him in it if it's going to be FF. Okay. You know? Yeah, no, I feel I, you. I, I don't want, I, I would, I want justice for Bertha. So I've never actually read Jane Eyre. <laughs> I've seen Sarah. one of the movies. Honestly. Sarah. I don't know what to say. I mean, to, here's the thing. My sister hasn't either, and she knows the story backwards and forwards, and has to listen to me occasionally be like, Rochester's the worst. And she's like, but we like him still. I'm like, no, we totally get why she chose him because yeah whatever everybody's trash yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean to be fair i also have never technically read any of jane austen either so i will accept that because i know people don't enjoy her work i like to see more adaptations of austen work in historical setting because all i keep seeing is um contemporary retellings yeah and, and i mean i think if you if I understand why we get contemporary retellings on that. I don't like that, but I understand it because it is, it does require a fair amount of openness to the story. So it's not something that you're going to really be able to capture in a historical romance, unless you are working within a very openly queer community. Yeah. Which that was kind of hard to find depending on where you were. Yeah. Anyway, but not if you were hanging. I this is for any historical romance writers. There was a very open queer community in New England and New York. So yes, go for that yes, Boston. There's a whole book on Boston. There's at least three books on New York themselves. New York City. Um, for those who want to learn more about queer history, I recommend. The History is Gay podcast and Making Queer History, which, and then History is, uh, yeah, Making Queer History, History is Gay, and Making Gay History podcasts. Um, All of them are fantastic, and you get to learn more about the history that matters to us and to show that we exist. Um, And thank you for joining me today, Magretta. 
Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rom Book Pod, Inclusively Yours, a new weekly podcast celebrating inclusive romance, one trope at a time. If you'd like weekly recommendations for inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at Rom Book Pod. That's R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us, and until next time, happy reading.